welcome back, listeners. Oh, a little voice crack there. Welcome back, listeners, to Everywhere We Go, the home of all things FPL Draft. This week, let me introduce you to the seventh episode in an eight-part special on the World Cup. Me and Jose will be chatting through all the upcoming groups, bringing a tactical analysis along with an outlook on fantasy. Although FPL will be taking a break over the World Cup, I'm sure many of you will be playing the official FIFA Fantasy. If not, then I'm sure we'll all be watching, even if you're taking a well-deserved break from FPL. This World Cup has really come up around the corner, so listening to these will allow you to brush up on all the info about the teams. Didn't know that Anaki Williams is playing for Ghana? Want to find out what the miracle of Kurson is? We've got you covered. Joining me in the room and throughout all these exclusive episodes, how's it going, Hose? Good. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's become a theme that every time we record, I'm a Mexico shirt. Um, Partly because we record them all in one sitting. Yeah, true. But but you could you, we, we could do different outfits. That would probably jazz things up a bit. Nah, I'm going to stick by the Mexico shirts. This is I should have worn my whale shirt. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to wear it tonight playing football as well. <laughs> oh, well. Um, but so we've got a Group H preview coming up here. But before we dive into that, Jose, what is your favourite World Cup controversy? Um, so I'm going to say two that are kind of uh, like similar. Okay. Uh, the Battle of Santiago. What's that? Uh, so in 1962, the second group match between Chile and Italy is one of the most violent games of all time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Basically, two Italian journalists um, wrote a takedown piece on Santiago. Right. Um, and the Chilean newspapers kind of replied, being like, okay, screw you. <laughs> um, the first foul happened after 12 seconds. Uh, eight minutes later, uh, the first player was sent off. Uh, then the a Chilean player punched an Italian uh, player and was not sent off. Wow. What year yeah. was this again? It's 1962. There were fights. The, the people were like spat on. The police <laughs> kept, had to be called. One player was sent off and refused to get off the pe- pitch. <laughs> that was Giorgio Ferrini. Right. Um, yeah, a BBC commentator at the time um, quoted the game as being the most stupid, appalling, disgusting and disgraceful exhibition of football possibly in the history of the game. <laughs> Right, okay, that's a big one. You, I think you've, you've come out of the blocks hard there. Yeah, and the, the second one, kind of similar game, as in it was, a, it was actually in the round of 16 in 2006 World Cup. This right. one was labelled the, the Battle of New, Nuremberg. In total, there were four players sent off, and there were four players sent off and 16 players yellow carded Whoa. between Portugal and Netherlands. <laughs> I yeah. remember that, I remember this. Yeah, that was jokes. Just insane. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's two of the scrappiest games. I think those are my favorite controversies. It's just, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of vein you're going to go on, but I took mine to be violence. <laughs> well, for mine, I went for, I don't know. I just went for kind of, uh, com- comedic effect. I went for the, um, the French strike in 2010 <laughs> when all the players like just refused to play. What happened was that Nicholas and Elka, um, I'm going to bleep this, told, um, head coach Raymond Demench to go f*** yourself you son of a um, which didn't go down too well <laughs> <laughs> to be fair it's quite rude not the nice thing to say to your coach but then um, he, he refused to apologise and then the coach said okay well you're out and this is actually days after they lost to Mexico I think, I think it was all coming off the rails yeah that was um, actually my goodbye party from when I moved to the UK wow yeah. But um but yeah, so after that I think <laughs> it all just went up in flames. I mean, I think Thierry Henry, William Gallas, Maluda, obviously Anelka, Evra, they all refused to play. And actually like the head coach, Demench, uh 
uh, Dominic. Sorry, Dominic. Sorry. Um, <laughs> ra- um, he read out a statement to the media saying that uh, saying that all the players, without exception, want to declare their opposition to the decision taken by the FFF to exclude Nicholas Anelka from the squad. <laughs> so that's just quite funny. Uh, we won't be talking about France today, but we will be talking about Group H, which is Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and Korea. That's a really interesting group. Um, let's kick it off. Why not with Portugal? This is only the beginning. So, obviously, um, you know, one Portuguese star stealing the headlines at the moment. Did you see the awkward handshake between between him and Fernandez? No. Oh, it's so funny. You need to watch that. It's, I think he's just. I think I don't know why there's a camera in the room, but there's a camera filming like them walk into the dressing room for the first time for, to meet. You know, for for Portugal, and there's the look yeah. that Fernandez gives him. Is like, I mean, obviously this is an, this is an audio medium, but. He's just like staring at him like, what are you doing? Why have you just done? <laughs> but so how is this all going to work out, um, Jose? Portugal are the ninth ranked team in the world. Um, their best position in a World Cup was third place. How are they doing this time around? Uh, well, I think they're going to do well. Really? Uh, I, yeah. Weirdly, I think this is... Everyone knows uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. However... He now has some backup. Okay. He's got like a lot of good players that are coming in to the side. Uh, that he didn't have the last World Cup or the one before that, uh, that actually makes this team not just about him. Right. They can function without him. So kind of similar to Argentina in a way. Yeah, but not as in... Okay. <laughs> this has It's still the same coach, Fernando Santos, who mm. has been there since 2014. Right. Uh, he obviously won the 2016 Euros with them. Yeah. And um, yeah, they... This might be Cristiano's last World Cup. We we can probably imagine. How what's their form like going into this tournament? Then they they had to go through the UEFA qualifications playoffs to qualify. Right. Uh, they as we mentioned in the previous episode, they finished second to Serbia in their group. Uh, they conceded the least goals and scored seventeen goals in eight games. They then had to play against Turkey and North Macedonia, who they both beat nice. to qualify. However, in the in the last Euros, if people can remember, they had a very tough group with Germany and France. Oh, and yeah. They, yeah. So they had to play Belgium in the last 16, lost. And in the Nations League, they finished second to Spain in their group. Okay. Uh, they only conceded three times, though, in, in six games. So they're very solid at the back. But what sort of... What sort of- um, what sort of play style do they use? I mean, obviously, they've got so much talent. How do they all fit it? How do they fit them all on the pitch and, and make it work? Um, so they play a 4-2-3-1. Right. Um, where they try to play the ball out of their own third as soon as possible. Yeah. And then they lay the front four really cause damage. Right. Basically, they, they have two kind of types of players, the facilitators. So the Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. Who plays on the number 10 position and Bernardo Silva, who plays on the right as an inverted winger. Um, and they kind of feed the runs from Leao and, and Cristiano Ronaldo, Rafael Leao. Uh, their keeper is also one of the best young keepers in the world. Who is that? And um, his name is Diogo Costa. And oh, he, cool. he plays for Porto. And yeah, he's been really, really good this season. He was born, I think, in 2000. 
Right. <laughs> They're in the 88th percentile for long passes per match. That's strange. Just very direct kind of counter-attacking. And, and then defensively, how do they set up? They set up in a mid-block. So they invite teams to attack, soak up the pressure, uh, and um, just try to get it as, as soon as possible. Uh, Cancelo is really important for them. Right. How's well. it, why is that? Uh, just in terms of both defense and attack. So as I said, like Bernardo Silva might come in as an inverted winger, and if Cancelo's playing his right back, yeah, he he'll shoot forward. So like he'll provide the the width. Nice. They're really good for interceptions and clearances, being in the seventy eighth percentile. Cool. So some of those defensive midfielders, whether it be Ruben Neves. Danilo Pereira mm. or William Carvalho. What players would you pick up in fantasy? Would you pick up Cancelo? I think he's quite expensive in the game. Let me just double check. He's you know, he's six million in the game. Yeah, he's. I, I would pick him up, but I mean, it, it just depends how you want to spend that that money. But Ronaldo on you know penalties and set pieces, and then you got Fernandez just behind, so he's not going to be on the same. He's maybe not going to have the same attacking returns. Um, no, but still for Portugal, he's scored two goals and one assist in five complete games in the Nations League and oh, nice. uh, this season for s- this this year for City he's been playing really well yeah. if you want a more kind of budget uh, option and someone to really watch is uh, Nuno Mendes who plays as the left back right okay in one and one and a half complete games uh, he's scored two goals and provided six, four assists for PSG so far this year oh cool and yeah he's definitely one to watch I think he, he's quite an exciting player and so, obviously, we've got to talk about the big man. Um, Ronaldo is Sue. Ronaldo is ten mil in the game. Um, are you going to pick him up? I mean, I don't think he's going to be that popular a pickup because of his recent antics. But what do you reckon is going to happen? I mean, he he's not coming into the World Cup, obviously, in ideal fashion. No. However, he scored in every single World Cup he's played in. Is the most cap? Uh, he has one hundred thirty-nine caps, so we'll break the one hundred forty cap barrier for Portugal. Yeah, and one hundred seventeen goals for them. So wow, it's really. It I might mean, be one of these ones to look out for the first week and see what happens, and then maybe jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, I. I mean, it's just I. I don't want to doubt the yeah. man. Don't doubt the big dog. Yeah. Don't fade the big dog. Don't fade the big dog. <laughs> At the same time, as we said, he's just not playing a lot. Of yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll get to Portugal more of the roundup questions, but let's move on quickly to Uruguay. So, what? Yo. Uruguay. Uh, yes. How do you think that, that they'll do? Um, Uruguay are ranked 14th over in the, overall in the world. They've qualified for 13 World Cups, um, winning the uh, inaugural in 1930 and winning it again in 1950 in Brazil in the uh, Maracanã. The, the manager is Diego Alonso, captain Diego Godin. Godin. Their set piece taker is Dela Cruz, um, who actually kind of swaps out for a player I'll mention later. And uh, on penalties, they've got um, Luis Suarez. Um, so they qualified um, automatically after finishing third behind Brazil and Argentina. You know, tough crowd there. Yeah. Um, but but they and they actually lost all their games to those two, <laughs> so they are they, Uruguay aren't the standard of opposition like in a Brazil and Argentina, which are going to be quali- which are going to really be challenging for this World Cup. However, they still have a really interesting and strong squad. Um, yeah, it seems I I think in the 2018, 2014, and twenty ten World Cup, they 
they were a side to contend with. No, yeah, they're they're an interesting side. Um, when in possession, they like to create a diamond with the centre backs and midfielders, all of which are very experienced and strong players. Um, despite being only in the 18th percentile for possession, very strange that you'd expect a side with Valverde and Bentancur in midfield to really be able to dominate possession. But they're kind of like Switzerland in this sense. They know what their strengths are. They don't try and cultivate a game round. They don't try and kind of aspire to a game. They're just very good in, in specific things. They're not also amazing defensively. They're just quite good. They're just uh, they're okay. Defensively, they ranked in the 84th percentile for interceptions and the 87th for defensive recoveries. Um, and then in deeper situations, they transition to a 5-3-2. Um, so they're a well-balanced team. They're, all, they're normally going to play a 4-4-2. Um, but their main threats are, of course, up top. So we've got Suarez, 7.5 mil, eight goals in his last 14 appearances for Uruguay, starts over Cavani, who'd be on the bench. And then, of course, we have Darwin Nunez, 8 million uh, in the game. Uh, beginning to grow in form for Liverpool, but um, only has one goal in eight appearances for Uruguay. Mm, so he good. hasn't gotten his feet wet yet. I don't think so. But, you know, considering the form he's in for Liverpool at the moment, he, he could, you know, go into this World Cup and, and get some returns. And how do you think the... Obviously, like you, you mentioned some of the talented midfielders that you have. Yeah. How how do they how do they play in, in, in more? So Valverde is just you know on top of his game right now. He's one of the best midfielders in the row in the world. Heartbeat of midfield. Um, but also he ranks the ninety third percentile for shots per ninety. Wow. Which is really good. Um, however, he only has two goals in fourteen matches, which is a bit of a turn off. Um, Bentancur, uh, six mil, so like a cheaper alternative. Um, constant start of Uruguay however they do not retain as much possession as you would have hoped for as I said so the passing points will be a little bit down but he's been in flying form in the Prem with three goals in three games wow so he could be one defensively though Muslera um, is 5 mil and he's their nailed on keeper but as I mentioned at the top of the show Godin is their captain he's 4 mil in the game wow that seems 4 mil low, for a yeah. captain he's going to play centre back he'll definitely start every game so I think that's a great little nugget there um, the yeah, you could see him getting in the end of some corners, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, the reason I mentioned De La Cruz um, is the set piece taker. Actually, uh, someone called De Aras Arasqueta. De Arasqueta. De Arasqueta um, is 5.5 million. He doesn't start over De La Cruz, but he has five goals in his, in his last eight appearances. Oh, wow. Um, so he'll be coming on for De La Cruz. So keep an eye out for him. But yeah, overall, um, Uruguay are an interesting side. In this group, they'll back themselves to get out for sure. Yeah, I think they're such an interesting nation always because they have such a low uh, number of pop- population or, or like citizens. But yeah, in the World Cup, just always bring it. Exactly. So keep an eye out for them, and um, we'll get to. The, we'll, I think what you're going to want to do is maybe I'm per- personally quite confident in getting a Suarez in, starting him against lesser opposition. But yeah, just keep an eye out for them and see um, see how they're doing. And if you've got maybe you know a couple four mil spare to get Godin in, I think that's a really good pickup. Uh, but let's move on, guys, to Korea. Jose, Korea, ranked 28th in the world. This is going to be their 10th World Cup in a row. Yes. Wow, that's impressive. Um, their best result was when they reached that semi-final in 2002. Yeah, controversially. Yeah. They, a lot of people said that they got a lot of um, help from the from the refs. But... Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but how do you reckon they're going to do this World Cup? Um, I reckon that they could do okay. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. It, it, it's hard to read a lot of these sides just in terms of 
you would think that they'd be doing really well, uh, unlike like Brazil and Argentina that have these really long unbeaten runs. Right. A lot of the sides, you'll be like, oh, they're in good form, and then they lose a game against someone that you don't think they should have. Such as? Uh, so, for example, in qualifying, they finished second after a run. In 10 games, they only conceded three goals. However, they lost to UAE, for example. Right. In the two- 2019 Asia Cup, they were eliminated by Qatar. Uh, however, in recent friendlies, they have one out of six, four out of six, beating Cameroon, Iceland, Chile, and Egypt. Those are those are strong caliber sides, relatively. Yeah, definitely. And in in those six games, they scored thirteen goals uh, and kept three clean sheets. Is this all coming from Son? Um, a lot of their game does come from Son. Obviously, right. he's just uh, such a central part of everything they do. Yeah. Uh, in seventeen and a half complete games, he has eleven goals and one assist for them. However, this season uh, for Spurs, he hasn't been great. Uh, obviously, he has been dealing with an injury, but has only managed five goals and two assists. Yeah, but surely um, he'll be fine coming for this this national team, right? He, his his record's strong with them. Yeah, and obviously, like, reigning uh, Golden Boot winner for the, in the Premier League last season with 23 goals. So, What other options do they have up top? They play with Huang, Huang who for Wolves. Yeah, he the guy who can't, can't buy a game for Wolves, who don't have a striker. <laughs> You're telling me to get him in? No, I'm not telling you to get him in. I'm just telling you who they play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although this year he does have five goals and four assists for them. Uh, oh, nice, okay. If not, uh, Kwon Chang-hoon. Mm. Uh, who plays in the Korean League? He has not scored so far in 2022. <laughs> right, but okay. For Korea, in 11 and a half complete games, he has seven goals and an assist. So what you're saying to me is that a lot of these players aren't in form in their domestic leagues. However, for Korea, they they're in decent nick. Yeah, exactly. I feel like they, yeah, I, I love the Korean team. Not gonna lie. What sort of football do they play? They play a four-two-three-one. Uh, they play. A possession-based yet direct style of football. Okay. So they're in the 88th percentile for possession and in the 95th percentile for forward passes per match. Cool. But that includes 70th percentile for long passes per match. So weirdly, they keep possession through kind of long balls, try to get it as far up the pitch as possible. They kind of use the uh, a lot of counter-pressing nice. in the sense of they're in the 64th percentile for recovery in the final third. Yeah. So... Yeah, they're kind of an attacking team in the 17th percentile for goals per match. I feel like this group as well is going to be a high-scoring group. Yeah, definitely. So they could do well. I mean, coming on to the final team in this group. Um, yeah, oh, I yeah, I just I love this. <laughs> I love this career team, man. In 2018, they um thanks to the miracle of Kassan, oh, they yeah. beat they beat Germany. Uh, Hong Min Son in the like added time scored t- two against them and they put Mexico through to the last 16. You owe them one. Definitely. Hermano Coreano, tú eres mexicano. Let's move on though to Ghana. So, Will, Yo. how do you think the Black Stars are looking coming into the World Cup? Well, if I'm completely honest, I'm a little bit worried for them in this World Cup. They're the 61st ranked side, international side. They've made it to three World Cups since their first appearance in 2006, with their highest finish being that um, that famed quarterfinal against Uruguay. Oof. Their captain, set-piece taker and penalty taker is um, Andre Ayew. So if there is an asset to have in that team, it's Andre Ayew. It's Andre. Uh, basically, recently they've had a period of relative decline. 
um, relative to to them getting to that quarter final. They failed to qualify for the last World Cup and lost to Tunisia in the 2019 AFCON in the round of 16. They then um, finished bottom of their group in the 2020 AFCON, um, losing to debutants Comoros 3-2. They have six wins in the last 16 um, and they topped their group with South Africa, Ethiopia and Zimbabwe. They got into a playoff against Nigeria, um, who are ranked uh, 32nd, and now they're in the World Cup. They have a pretty adaptive play style, which is quite interesting. They're allowed they they're able to change their formation between a five four one, a four five one, and a weird like five one two one one, depending on who they're playing and who has the ball more. Um, but they don't they they not they're not very strong. They rank in the sixth percentile for xG and goals scored. Wow, that's low, yeah. So they're not going to score much. But the interesting thing about this squad is they've had an influx of new players. Weirdly, Ooh. so. Um, players such as Inaki Williams, the um, Bill Bow forward, um, he actually has the like the, really like him, yeah. the longest ever consecutive start streak for any player in a league. It's over two hundred and forty. Yeah, he's he, he's really good. I really like him. His brother also plays for Bill Bow. Yeah, so they've um, they've just got him in, and he'll be starting up top for them. So he's definitely one to look out for. Um, he's six point five mil, but he's only played two games, and it's a similar thing. Dennis Adoy, they've managed to transfer, well, transfer, I say. He switched his allegiance from Belgium to Ghana. The Fuller man. Uh, yeah, the ex-Fuller man. And he's played, uh, I think, four games. And annoyingly, Tariq Lamptey as well has, uh, it's not, I say annoyingly, because Dennis Adoy is starting over Tariq Lamptey, who's a great player. Wow. Um, and I don't think he's going to be able to get minutes uh, this World Cup. But um, he has also switched switched to um, Ghana. So they have got these new players, which um, which are going to be interesting. But I think in fantasy, to be honest, the main ones you're going to look at are the IU brothers. Both six mil, um, both will start in attacking positions, and Andre has uh, three goals in his last six. He's really the one to have. Um, Thomas Party as well, obviously in great form for Arsenal, um, is the linchpin of that midfield. However, he's not even in the game at the moment. So. Uh, yeah, it seems he's also like dream made for this point scoring system of recovering balls and also delivering key passes. Yeah, exactly. So definitely keep an eye out for him. I mean, I don't know how much he's going to cost, which is quite annoying. But he also has three goals in his last four games and he's not on any set pieces. Yeah. So no, that he is scored it. that banger the, the, the other last month. Yeah. So for them, yeah, keep an eye out for them. But I think they're going to struggle here, to be honest. Let's move up to the roundup. So looking at the fixtures for this um, group, the first game we have is Uruguay against South Korea and Portugal against Ghana. So could be one to get your um, to get your Uruguayan strikers in for yeah. and also your Portugal assets. I feel like in any game in this group could be kind of a deciding game. Yeah. Like you obviously want to circle uh, November the 28th, Portugal against Uruguay. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like in any of these games they can nab each other an upset could yeah. really could really mess things up in this group it's probably one of the most equal groups out there I think uh, Ghana's probably the weakest team but Portugal is my favourite here yeah I, I would have to I would actually have to disagree right why I think Uruguay is just so consistent yeah true again they just always bring it and I feel like the I thought that they they were going to drop off after the Suarez's, Cavani's, Forlands of but the a world. But a new generation's yeah, come through. Exactly. Even even in defense, like you you have uh, Jose Maria Jimenez. Yeah. Um, I, I think Araujo for Barcelona is not in this World Cup. Yeah, he's not. But, yeah. 
but they've I got feel... they've got a definite future. I mean, my dark horse though is um, actually in my. It, it, um, I mentioned my the sweepstakes we did in a in a different episode. Um, I managed to put South Korea getting to the like quarterfinals, <laughs> so I guess I'm going to stick with that. South Korea are my dark horse here. Wow, who's yours? Mine would be Ghana. I don't know. I'm excited to okay. to watch this kind of mix of new players coming in. Like you say, they're in terrible form, and it would be just hilarious if they just. <laughs> Just turn it around. Yeah. I like some of their players, like Iñaki Williams. Um, mm. It's pretty great. Uh, Thomas Partey's in fantastic form. Yeah. And, yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> if they can nick a result against... I mean, if they keep Portugal to a draw, then they have South Korea the next game. If they can get a result there, then they're going into Uruguay. See what happens. Um, who is your fancy pick for this for this group, though? Hung Min Son. Yeah. Nice. I, I don't know. I just think he's just so solid. If not, maybe... I, I, I don't know. I didn't mention him before, but Min Jae Kim, the Napoli defender, uh, has been unbelievable this season. For, um, and he's played 20 complete games for Napoli. Mm. Um, obviously, in a defender, you don't look out that much for goals, but he has two in this season for Napoli. And for South Korea, he has one goal and two assists. Yeah. And yeah, just in terms of he's just an exciting player to watch. I know it was the question was fantasy. <laughs> I'm no, sorry, that's right. Yeah, uh, who do you think would be will be a great fantasy asset? I'm probably going to go for Jao Cancelo. Fair. I think with the form he's in for City at the moment. I mean, we've been speaking about it on the normal podcast. He is unlike any other fullback in the world right now. He could basically walk into any team, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. And he's unbelievable. I don't imagine that he drops off at all going into this World Cup. I think he's going to maintain his form, and he's six mil, which is expensive for a defender, but. If he's scoring, then it's going to be a game changer. Um, anyway, thank you very much for listening, guys. Next <laughs> up, we have the big group. It's Group B coming up. That is the USA, Iran, England, and Wales. Wow. Keep an eye out for that one. See you later. <laughs>